as we celebrate the first Sunday of Advent, we read in sacred scripture about the end of the world. Advent is a time of preparation. It is a time in which we prepare for the coming of Christmas when we celebrate the first coming of Christ into human history, as I said. It is also a time to celebrate the presence of Christ in our world today in the mystery of the Eucharist. And it is also a time to prepare for the second coming of Christ at the end of time. Are you ready? I was doing a funeral at a funeral parlor and this guy got up and he was talking about how he was so glad to be part of this family and to thank and he was thanking people for you know making him feel welcome in this family and he was talking and going on and all of a sudden he just keeled over and died are you ready i've been a priest for about 17 years now and um we, I started off with the, with the old translation of the Missal, and now we've been using the new translation for probably about nine years, I guess, something like that. But in the old translation of the Roman Missal, the Latin phrase, vitam eternum, was often translated as everlasting life. But in the new translation, vitam eternum, is more properly translated as eternal life. Why is this so important? We do not need to ask God for everlasting life. Because of our creation as human beings with a body and a rational immortal soul, we already have everlasting life. No matter what we say or do or think, no matter whether we never come to Mass or whether we're here every day, we already have everlasting life. Humans are created with a visible body and an invisible soul. Our soul is unlike that of the animals. Human souls are rational and immortal. We can make free choices. We can create symphonies. And we can write histories. As G.K. Chesterton says, the 12-volume history of Caldum would be very boring. Are our souls are immortal because we are made in the image and likeness of God. 
We have everlasting life simply because we are humans with a rational and immortal soul. Therefore, when this visible body passes away, our souls do not pass away, but they live forever. They have everlasting life. The big question is, where will we spend everlasting life? I heard somewhere that hell was described as this beautiful golf course. Now, if you're not a golfer, please transfer the story to something that you do love to do. But the story goes that there is this person who dies and wakes up on this beautiful golf course. Beautiful vistas, clear and cool day, the best golf clubs, and an unlimited supply of golf clubs. As the person is taken to the first tee, they swing and hit a perfect hole-in-one. The second tee had a dangerous sand trap in the middle of the fairway. The person teed up, swung, hit the ball right into the hole. I've never hit two back-to-back -back holes ever before. That was amazing. Two holes in one, back-to-back, -back, they said to the caddy who remained emotionless. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth holes were all holes in one. Finally, the golfer said, I think I'm going to take a break and go to the clubhouse. Oh no, said the caddy. You have to play this course forever. The golfer responded, I thought heaven was supposed to be fun. The caddy said, Who told you this was heaven? This is hell. Everlasting life can get pretty boring pretty fast. Pope Benedict XVI wrote, to continue living forever, endlessly, appears more like a curse than a gift. Pope Benedict continues to write that eternity is something more like the supreme moment of satisfaction in which totality embraces us and we embrace totality. This supreme moment is eternity. We, in our feeble minds, call it everlasting life. But the terms everlasting 
and life are both concepts that involve time. And God exists outside of time. God created time. It is eternity to which God calls us. Because of Jesus' incarnation, we are not simply called to everlasting life, one thing after another, but eternal life, life within the very life of the Trinity. Our destiny is something which the angels do not share because Jesus did not become an angel. Jesus became man and so calls us to life within the Trinity in eternity. Yet one of the other things which the Missal does very well is to make it clear that eternal life is not given to everyone, but only to those as Eucharistic, two prayers, Eucharistic prayer two states, only those who die in God's mercy. This is even made clearer if you listen attentively to today's opening prayer. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, to resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Notice the prayer asks, first of all, it asks, it doesn't demand. The prayer asks, grant your faithful so that they may be worthy. Notice the prayer does not assume that all those gathered here today are part of the faithful. It does not say, grant your faithful so that we may be made worthy. Simply because we are present here does not mean that we are part of the faithful who will be worthy. Not everybody automatically goes to heaven. When the building inspector tells us that there is asbestos in our buildings, we make every effort to get rid of it because we know that asbestos poisoning can kill us. Why then are we reluctant to follow the advice of the Gospels, which warn us to beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness? The Lord is coming. We just don't know when. Are you ready? My mother, may she rest in peace, always used to say, if I live to see it. Because she knew that the Lord could come at any time. Those who are prepared for the Lord's second coming 
will raise their heads and rejoice that their homecoming is at hand. Those who are not ready will die of fright. Be vigilant. Don't be the teenager who threw a wild party while his parents were out of town. Don't let your father catch you off guard throwing a wild party you weren't supposed to have. 